Morning, everyone. I hope you had a great Christmas. It's a real privilege to be here speaking、um, to you all, especially at this moment in the year, just after Christmas and before 2019. The title of my message today is "Can You See the Wonder?" But before I get into it, I just want to ask whether you can see the figure in this field of images that's about to come up. I'm going to give you about 10 seconds, 10 to 15 seconds, to、um, have a look, and hopefully, I'm sure that you'll be able to spot it. So, have you seen it yet? What is it? Yes, it's a Dalmatian. A Dalmatian. But the real question that I have for you is, how easy was it to spot? I know for some of you, you would have spotted it straight. Away, but for some of you, you you had to get someone to point it out to you, while others still can't see it. But don't worry, it isn't a test about how good or bad your eyesight is.、Um, psychologists and scientists who study this type of thing they call it the cannot unsee phenomenon. In other words, there are certain things within images that we tend not to see until someone points it out. But once they do, then our interpretation of that image doesn't remain. The same. They go on to say that on a broader measure about our perception, that in short, what you know influences what you see, and that's deep. And I think that we should hold that full intention as we come again to consider the wonder of Jesus. Peter, in one of his letters to the believers, he says that Jesus is a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, he is chosen and precious. What did God know, and therefore see in His Son that these men and women didn't? Kings, we've just celebrated Christmas, where we've looked at the great arrival of our Lord to this very earth. And in our Wonder series, which I'll be wrapping up today,、um, we've looked at the various encounters, in particular those supernatural ones that led a mother, foreigners, and shepherds to see the wonder in Jesus. But if you're honest, Just like that Dalmatian, we don't always tend to see the wonder of Jesus Christ. We're constantly having to be redirected so that we can see again. I mean, the season of Christmas—it comes and goes, and it's as if nothing has changed. Nothing's happened. We spend time with our family again. We eat some food and we open up some presents. Young people, and this isn't just peculiar to them, but you may come church services week in, week out. Might see your parents, other adults, even other young people worshiping Jesus, and you just think, "What's so special about this man? What's so special about Jesus?" Just a baby we're talking about. I just can't see it. And for some of you, that's where you are, right here, right now. You just can't see it, whether you've never beheld the wonder before or your sight has just been dimmed. And in this passage of scripture, which I'm about to read, we find a man who, during the normality of life, no alarm bells, no supernatural sightings, was able to see the earth-shaking, life-changing wonder of baby Jesus. And so, as I read, my hope is that we come to know what this man saw. We come to see what he knew. I call it God's ingredients for seeing the wonder of His Son. But then, in light. Of us now seeing this wonder, how that wonder should drive us to declare specific things about Jesus to others, so that by the grace of God, they too will be able to see that wonder. So, if you have a Bible, please turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. I'll be reading from chapter two, from verses twenty-five to thirty-five. 
So from verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will press through your, through your own soul also so that faults from many hearts may be revealed. It's an amazing passage, yet it's pretty simple, right? I mean, there's nothing overtly spectacular about the way Simeon came to see the wonder in Jesus. Of course, apart from the mere fact that the Holy Spirit literally told him that he would not die until he sees the Messiah, literally until he saw the hope of the world. Now, that is amazing, but we don't see here any heavenly beings making an appearance. We don't see creation making abnormal movements in order to lead one to Jesus. Instead, what we find is the ordinary. And that should encourage us, but also challenge us because it's very easy to slip into that way of thinking whereby God only moves and shakes in the high and mighty things of life. And that's far from the truth, because as we see here in this passage that we've read, God loves and continues to work in the ordinary, though everything he does is extraordinary. Nonetheless, for Simeon to declare what he did about Jesus, despite all the normality and the numerous visitors to the temple, first, he obviously had to have seen the wonder because you can't declare what you have not seen. And as we've established earlier, you cannot see what you do not know. So before looking at what Simeon declared, let's first look at the three things that God through Luke seems to tell us enabled Simeon to see in the first place. And it's all there in verse 25. So the first thing mentioned is that Simeon was righteous and devout. The second is that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. In other words, he was waiting for God's promises over Israel revealed in scripture to be fulfilled. And lastly, he had fellowship, relationship with the Holy Spirit. And my hope is that as I briefly run through these three things, we see how necessary and inseparable they are for us to, or to enable us to see the wonder and beauty of the Lord Jesus. So first, Simeon was righteous and devout. I'm hoping we have some king gardeners in here today because I'm definitely not one of you in that respect. But Despite how big or small your garden is, I am very sure you always wage war with the pests that try to destroy your garden. Um, I can just imagine the frustration on your face when those beautiful plans for your garden are not actually fulfilled. But one thing I do know for sure is that you wouldn't say or even consider saying that I just wish these beetles could see the amazement of my garden. And how do I know that? I know that because I know you know that it's not in their nature to do so. 
And that's similar to what Luke is saying when he describes Simeon, saying that he is righteous and devout. Because though not perfect, righteous and devout people tend to see things from God's perspective. And that's because they have a nature which is from heaven, a nature from God freely given on account of faith that's aligned with his. And so when they hear, when they see Jesus, their hearts and being is filled with joy because their righteousness isn't just external. Rather, it's something from God that's worked from the inside out. And so that changes their perspective. It changes their hearts. It changes their minds. But this is very different from the one who is unrighteous or uncommitted to God. And so Jesus, at best, is just a good Jewish teacher. An ultimate wonder is found in those fleeting fins, fins that, if given a chance, they would tell you, please don't put me on the pedestal. Rather, put the one who created all fins, without whom nothing was made. You see, church, righteousness by faith has an impact on whether we see Jesus or not. The second thing Luke mentions that I believe enabled him to see the wonder of Jesus is that not only was he righteous and devout, but he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That phrase, waiting for the consolation, we don't tend to use that often, but it simply means that Simeon was a man who not only read the scriptures, but he clung on with dear hope to every promise from God of deliverance and comfort until what was written, what was spoken became reality. And if you know anything about Israel's history, you'll know they needed comfort, especially in light of all the promises, the good promises God had proclaimed over them. Simeon, he lived at a time where Roman rule was dominant and Herod was a ruthless king who ruled and reigned in Jerusalem, God's own city. And his ancestors had seen exile upon exile, kingdom upon kingdom oppressing them. And so as Simeon stood in the temple that day, I'm not sure, we don't know his thoughts. The Bible doesn't explain to us the things that were running through his mind. But given the flurry of prophecies in the Old Testament concerning the Messiah, I can just imagine the thoughts that were welling up in his spirit and the passages that were coming up or coming to remembrance. For instance, seeing Jesus, he may have thought, this is the one who with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. Or because of his rule, God declares, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Or seeing him, he may have thought, he, he is the one who is to be pierced for our transgressions, my transgressions. He is the one who is to be crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. I'm only scratching the surface here with some of those promises, but I'm hoping you're starting to see some of the wonder that Simeon saw. And this is made known through the words of scripture. And that's good news for us today because we have the Bible. We have God's word containing so many promises for people, the world around us and the church. But as an extension of Israel's own plight, we too know that we need the comfort of God. We have mothers who are crying because their sons have been stabbed. We have young girls who become drug runners because their father's not around and so they seek male companionship. We truly need the comfort of God. And the sooner we start studying the word of God is the sooner we'll start to realise that God's comfort 
for his creation is accomplished solely through his son, Jesus. And this is where the wonder is, where our hope should be, because Jesus truly is the answer to the world's problems. And lastly, the Holy Spirit. He's so important because only God can open our eyes. Only God can open the eyes of those around us. No amount of spec savers is able to help any man or woman in this situation. You see, in that temple that day, Simeon didn't just see a baby. He saw God's salvation, a deliverer of the world. He didn't just see another couple just coming in with a child. No, he saw the eternal son in human flesh. And so it's no mistake that Luke ends his description of Simeon by saying, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Jesus informs us of the Spirit's work, that he, the Spirit, gives life. And so for you and me to have life, true life, indestructible new creation life, we need the Spirit. And lastly, um, Jesus speaks about how the Spirit glorifies him. In other words, there is no way we are going to repent and turn from our sin and look and see the beauty of Jesus without the Spirit. But with the Spirit, not only will you and I receive life, the type of life in which he leads us in righteousness before God, but you will also love the word and in it you will find hope, the hope of Jesus for every every situation, for this life and for the life to come. And so this here church is how we come to see the wonder of Jesus, the wonder of Christmas, righteousness by faith a longing for the fulfilment of God's promises rooted in Jesus and ultimately relationship with the Spirit. And Simeon saw it, as we see, and upon seeing it, he couldn't contain it. He had to go out and declare it. And so you and I, young and old, if you have seen the wonder, you too are called to go out. Just like that image, you are called to go out and point to others the wonder of Jesus. So in closing, let's quickly just dive into what Simeon actually declared. First thing, upon seeing the wonder of Jesus, he declared that God's salvation has come. In other words, it's here. And so if you're looking for healing, if you're looking for peace, for deliverance from evil, for reconciliation with God, look nowhere else. Search no more and come to Jesus. It's so important that when we go out and declare the wonder and the beauty of Jesus, that we, like Simeon, uphold the exclusivity of Christ because there is no salvation, no salvation, no hope in any other name. Second, he declared that Jesus is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. This means that God in Jesus is set on drawing those who were not part of the people of God. In Simeon's day, this referred to the non-Jews, the pagan non-Jews who had no fellowship with God and weren't privy to relating with his people. But as this beautiful passage written by Paul in Ephesians 2 says, through the blood of Christ, they, the Gentiles, have been brought near. And this is good news because the blood of Christ is enough to redeem all who we may consider outcasts. The drug dealer, the LGBT activist, even that person on the train who, when you come and sit sit down next to them, they stand up and leave. Yes, even them. The blood of Christ is able to redeem them. And so let's remember that as we go out and proclaim the message, but also when we consider who to proclaim this message to. Thirdly, Jesus brings glory to Israel because Jesus represents in person the faithfulness of God. God had promised long ago that the seed of Abraham will be a blessing to the world. 
God made that promise and he kept it by sending his own son as a pure blooded Israelite to die not only for the sins of Israel, but for the sins of the world. That's amazing. And so today God makes us promises. He says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, free from death and freed from condemnation. He made that promise and he is faithful to keep it for his glory. Finally, we cannot forget that Jesus will be a stumbling block for some. Just as Jesus was openly rejected by some in his day, so too when we go out and proclaim and tell others about the wonder and beauty of Jesus, we will be rejected. There are some who will reject God's free yet costly gift of eternal life. Church, we're not responsible for changing hearts, but one thing we are responsible for is for proclaiming that message. But to all who do receive him, to all who believe in his name, he gave the right for them to become children of God. And this is how the last become first and the first become last. So church, in closing, let me encourage us to again behold the wonder of Jesus. As we press into 2019, let us renew faith in him, which leads to righteous thinking. Let us search and hold close the word of God and his promises and seek fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And don't just stop there. Go out and declare. Tell others about the treasure that you have found in Jesus because graciously and amazingly, God uses our witness to Christ as a means of bringing revelation and life to a world that needs lifting out of death, decay and evil. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, God, for the wonder of your glorious son, Jesus. Thank you for sending him in flesh for our sake. Lord, help us to behold his wonder again, the wonder of your son, the king of glory, becoming a servant. And Lord, help us as your people to go out and point out his beauty and wonder to those around us. Lord, we need you. We pray that you would fill us with your spirit and grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.